everybody, Cora here. Welcome back to Rev on Air, the Rev on Bear podcast, a place for sustainable storytelling with founders, activists, creatives, and phenomenal individuals who are paving the way for a more conscious future for us all. Today, I am talking to the woman who has arguably created the world's most coveted sustainable skincare brand. That would be April Gargiulo of Vintner's Daughter. Inspired by her upbringing in California's Napa Valley and being a third generation vintner herself, she set out to bring those same standards of exceptional quality and craftsmanship to the world of skincare. After a lifetime of cystic acne and hyperpigmentation, April discovered that the luxury skincare she was using was actually made from cheap synthetics and decided to create her own dream products. April turned to old world, weeks-long infusion practices to harness each ingredient's vital energy and nutrition. The resulting deeply nourishing formulas, just two, Active Treatment Essence and Active Botanical Serum, are sought out by the most discerning beauty experts and enthusiasts around the world and have won the industry's top beauty awards time and again. Today, April and I speak about how she founded a brand based off of her own disappointing experiences, her commitments to sustainability and authenticity, and also something I love discussing so much, how she has built a hugely popular business with just two products, proving the idea that we really do not need huge amounts of items to have economic success, that less really can be more, and that following what she calls our North Star can be the thing that leads us to the best possible place, both professionally and personal. Now, I will leave it to April to tell you more. Here she is, April Gargiulo of Vintner's Daughter. So thank you so much, April. I'm so, I feel like I've been wanting to have this podcast with you for like several years. So I'm so excited to finally do it. I, well, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So I always kind of like to start at the beginning and I'd love to just hear a little bit about, you know, your childhood and your surroundings and the culture that you grew up, because I always find it's what, it's very fascinating, like what kind of leads people to become mm. the, the person that they are later on in life. Mm. Yeah. So I think, at, you know, I don't know that I would have said this before, but it, 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 it feels like I'm where I'm at, where I'm at is inevitable, but um, you know, so I was really fortunate to grow up in this kind of agricultural community in Napa Valley, surrounded by these extraordinary women and men, um, extraordinary people who held ex- really strong convictions and were very passionate about how things were made the quality of the raw materials, the intentionality behind them. And all of that became my definition of luxury. Luxury to me was never about a price tag. It was really about the, 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 the quality of sourcing, the meticulousness in formulation and craftsmanship. Right. And I was also simply somebody who had always had skin issues. So I had cystic acne and, and pigmentation, and then all the things that come along as you get older And I was using what I thought were the very best products. I thought they were, and I'm using air quotes, luxury products. They had luxury price tags. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with my first daughter, super familiar refrain for for, for many moms, you kind of start looking at all the ingredients of all the stuff and everything else in my life was, I was very conscious about what I put on my body in my body. I came from an agricultural community. Like I was very aware, but because I had dealt with skin issues all my life, it was, I really had my head in the sand about it. So I'm pregnant. I no longer feel like I can keep my head in the sand. I start looking at the ingredients of these, you know, so-called luxury products. And, um, 
they are, you know, anything but luxury ultimately, right? They're 0.01% active ingredient. The rest is filler. That filler is really low quality, poor quality, and oftentimes even toxic. And so coming from where I'm coming from, this, this Napa Valley, this land of, again, of like the very highest quality sourcing raw materials, intentionality behind formulation and craftsmanship, none of this added up to what my idea of what luxury should be. And so that was the impetus of Vintner's Daughter. Uh, how do I create a true luxury skincare built off those same philosophical foundations as the fine winemaking world that I'd come from of quality and craftsmanship? Yeah, it's amazing. And it, it's really interesting because I heard you talking about this somewhere else and I'm going to forget where now, but you sort of, you, you kept bringing up this idea of like terroir and, and how, you know, the soil and the way things grow is so important. And it made me think, you know, I feel like people from California and particularly people that are working closely with the environment, growing things, et cetera, like they're seeing the climate change and they're seeing the effects of pesticides and they're seeing all of these things firsthand. And, you know, a lot of our listeners might be in, you know, quite an urban area or, you know, oftentimes when I was reporting this in London, I would be like, you know, we just don't see climate change here yet. It's not to say it's not coming for us, but whenever I talk to people that really, are like, you know, familiar with this idea of how the environment is changing. Like, I like to ask them, you know, how has this impacted you? Like, what have you seen like over the course of your life, you know, from the early days to where you are now, like, what are you seeing in terms of like the environment and why is it becoming more important to you to, to do the right thing in terms of like how you make your brand? Yeah. So it's hugely impactful, right? It is, um, and there's so many different layers to it, but the, the kind of the one that is first in my mind, the most immediate one, and, you know, my family still makes wine in Napa Valley for Vintner's daughter. We source our ingredients from around the world. And, um, over the years we've had to find secondary and tertiary, and sometimes even, even like a fourth, a fourth opportunity, um, to, because, because our growers and our producers are experiencing, um, shifting weather patterns, Right. And in California here, I mean, fires have been an extraordinary part of our life. The last, I mean, listen, fires have always happened in California, but the frequency of them and the ferocity of them increases every single year. We set records every single year, bigger fires, hotter fires, more frequent fires, less water, um, less rainfall. And that is certainly something that one, you know, one cannot ignore in, um, in many places of the, in the world and especially here in Northern California. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I want to talk more about all the ingredients and everything, but, you know, I think that what I really wanted to ask you to touch upon April, because I've heard you speak about it really eloquently and you just sort of touched upon it is this idea that, you know, luxury beauty brands, I think for most consumers still, they believe, rightfully so, I mean, you know, they've totally been marketed to um, and misinformed in a lot of cases, but, you know, you can go somewhere, um, a really nice beauty counter, spend hundreds of pounds on a night cream or something like that. But I don't think a lot of people are very familiar with this idea of like, what are fillers? Like, what, what, why aren't there more active ingredients, et cetera, et cetera. So can you just actually go into that a little sure. bit more? Yeah, absolutely. And so that was something that, again, when I was having, when I was pregnant with my first daughter, this was this awakening, this recognition that I started to have. 
And, and, and coming from where I'd come from, I understood how you make the very finest of something. And it was very clear to me and had been in, in, um, uh, taught to me at a young age that you don't cut corners. You don't take shortcuts to make the finest of anything, right? You begin with the, the finest raw materials. You honor those materials through very diligent, meticulous craftsmanship, and you create something that's even kind of uh, more incredible than the sum of its parts. Those products that you were just talking about, they are um, made in minutes. They are made with all synthetic ingredients, very inexpensive synthetic ingredients. They are often filled with, um, well, fillers that are, you know, either benign, go range, range from, you know, benign synthetic ingredients to toxic synthetic ingredients. They, um, you know, they're made, they're sold for $300, 300 pounds and are made for one at the most. Um, they are, you know, again, made in minutes. It's fast food, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's fast food with a very high price tag. Mm. You know, I, I think about like, would you rather, you know, and, and oftentimes when I'm trying to explain what Bittner's daughter is, um, compared to kind of traditional skincare, it is um, because we begin with whole plants, as you know, and we spend weeks capturing their full spectrum of nutrition so that with every drop of active treatment essence or active botanical serum, your skin's receiving this like gorgeous, beautiful, perfect ratios of the very best nutrients. Mm. And, you know, like I said, you know, we're spending weeks for every single bottle and these products are made in, in hours. And so the way I, the way I kind of talk about it sometimes is to think about a meal replacement bar that's been made in a lab, all synthetic ingredients, all the, you know, the right synthetic vitamins and minerals wrapped up in a plastic package sits on a, on a, on a shelf for years, right? Mm-hmm. Fine mm-hmm. to maybe grab on the go, but we know that it is not going to create your most healthy body, your most, right? Like it is just, it just can't right now. Imagine a beautifully prepared plate of food, right? Made with the freshest, most local organic ingredients. We know that that plate of food is going to service your body deeper. It's going to make you day in and day out stronger, healthy, more resilient. That is how I kind of compare kind of, uh, you know, this kind of very traditional idea of skincare versus what we're doing at Vintner's Daughter. We're creating this beautifully prepared plate of food for your skin, right? That your skin immediately recognizes and can put it to work more effectively and more efficiently. Yeah. And how long, cause it's really interesting, like listening, I think you were saying that the average skincare line is turned around in like three weeks or so like a production of like a skincare item. Oh no, like three hours, three hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, so imagine, okay. Imagine Imagine if you have a whole bunch of synthetic powders and, and substances on a shelf and you pour it into, you know, a vat and you stir it around and it sits for a little bit and you pour it into the bottle, right? Now imagine you're working with whole plants, right? And the only way to capture all that gorgeous nutrition and actives from those plants is to really honor those plants. And so for us in this very gentle, very time honored, temperature controlled way, over the course of three weeks, we're capturing all of that energy, all those nutrients, all that plant intelligence ultimately. Right. And so it, it, it is just, it's a more arduous process. It's obviously a more time consuming process, but it's one that creates a product that's unlike anything else. And it's able to have a, a, a communication and a relationship with the skin, unlike anything else. I mean, well, I, having, having used it, I can, I can understand because it's sort of unlike anything that there's you've nothing ever- else like it. 
No, there's nothing. There's nothing even like scent wise that you can kind of explain. Like I was trying to explain it to my mom last night and I was like, you would just have to use it. Like, I can't really right. explain how it smells. And um, both essence and serum both. And, and they're, and they're meant to be each other's kind of perfect complement. And both of them are completely different. These, these just extraordinary experiences. And um, yeah, I mean, they sort of have to be experienced to really under, understand what they are. Which is, which is also very interesting and, and unique. And we're, I'm going to talk to you about this idea of like slow beauty because I love it. But just kind of going back to this idea of like timeliness, because it's something that we've talked a lot about at Rev with like clothing, you know, it, it takes a while to do something right. It, it's with homeware as we're going into this, it takes a while, you know, if you want to eat like really good food, like you have to honor the farmers that are really doing things properly. And that can look a little bit more, you know, whether it's timely or expensive, but how long did it take you to like, come up with the first product because I would assume this wasn't sure. something it was something you no. just like turned out. <laughs> no, active botanical serum took about two and a half years to develop and active treatment essence took four and a half years. There is a, um, a, a fermentation component in active treatment essence. It's it's that's why it smells like kombucha. It kind of smells yeah. like kind of tangy. And, um, it, yeah. So each of them took an extraordinary time for, um, for research and development. And then, you know, what I think is interesting is that, at, listen, it takes us an extraordinary long time to make our products. And, and that is our commitment. And that is how we know we're going to create these products. But ultimately there's a freedom in it for the customer, for our community, right? It's the freedom is, is that it's two products. You only need two products. Mm -hmm. You don't need 20 you need two and you will have saved time. You will have better skin and you will have a, a, a less impact on the environment, right? Like fewer can be better. If that fewer has been consciously crafted, fewer can be better. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, and just, I mean, we were just talking about business and so I'm going to bring this up, but it's like, how how did you sort of justify this? I mean, because really Vintner's Daughter isn't business as usual. I mean, you existed for several years with just one product and then, you know, you've existed for several more years with just two products. And I'm pretty sure you're the only brand I can think of that has this level of success with one and two products. And how has that looked like? Cause I think that there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast. Um, who might be thinking about starting sustainable brands or, you know, would love to go into this space, but it can seem really daunting that you need to be producing so much, or you need to be making something really quickly, or, you know, we don't often give ourselves the time. I feel like anymore to really put things out that are, that are this thoughtful because everything's moving so fast that we feel that in order to be successful or order to be, you know, within the current economic system, we have to be also producing an insane amount very quickly. And, and how have you fought back against that, you know, kind of both personally and professionally, given that it's such an intimate brand? Well, okay. Number one, thank you for recognizing that. I, that was a, a beautiful question filled with so many, like, incredible compliments to, to our brand. Um, here's what I will say is that from the very beginning, I had this just very clear North star and we created a product that resonated and that created, um, you know, just had this, in, this profound positive impact on people's skin and, and, and also in their lives. 
And then we did that a second time. And, and, and yes, we've had two products in nine years, which is no one's ever done. It's unheard of. And yes, there are the pressures to constantly come out with new. I have had, um, there are many, many magazines, press writers who, who will not write about you unless you are new. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've had, or we have one of the most kind of coveted beloved products in the world and we still have magazines. It's fine, but we still have magazines who haven't written about us because they literally can't write about anything that's not new. So it is this world that we live in that very much um, rewards new and that new really keeps that wheel of consumerism going. And we try to step outside of that. We are trying to offer an alternative and it's not always easy. Um, not, not at all. There are de definitely like deep days where there's just like deep, deep thought and days where I am, you know, everything you read is there to kind of get you into that vortex of like faster, more, faster, more, faster, more. And so it is this very, it's, I don't know what else to say. It's like very, very deliberate that we're constantly returning to our North star, which is to have a profound positive impact on our customer skin and their lives and our world. And none of that is accomplished through more. It's all accomplished through less and better. Yeah. And so that is what we stay on. I also, just to be like really tactile about it or tactical about it, I should say, I don't have investors. So I don't That's have anybody, breathing, you know, <laughs> I don't have, <laughs> I don't have anybody breathing down my throat telling me, you know, like, so I don't have to be a revenue driven company. Um, I can, I get to be, I very proudly, joyfully get to be a skin driven company. And that doesn't mean that we don't have to be profitable. We do because that's how we get to do all the fun stuff, but just like us on this earth, we're not on this earth to breathe oxygen. Oxygen allows us to, to follow our passions and our dreams, right? Like that is what allows us to focus on having this hugely positive impact on our customer skin and, and, and their lives and our world. So I don't know. Hopefully it's, it's a gamble. Hopefully it works out. I mean, well, no, but thank you also. There was like, just, just thank you also in turn for such a wonderful answer. And this idea, it's something I'm talking about. And actually something that I grapple with a lot is like how we run a retail site where I'm like, you know, buy this, buy this. Um, and equally, like, there's a huge part of me that's like, everyone needs to stop consuming right and we need nothing more and we literally all need to like you know be walking around you know in sparse clothing and and well that's you know. what I always think of I always think dry January shouldn't be about drinking it should be about consuming just yeah. everything right yes. yeah I like honestly wine isn't really the problem at the state no. of the world right now I think we've right. got we've got bigger things we need to give up than a yes. glass of wine at the end of the day but um right. Well, thank you. And it really, as it was interesting thinking that you don't have investors, because I do think like we're, we're talking about an economic system that, as you said, it's like more, more, more. And I think what's really interesting too, and another, like my final question sort of on the business thing is, and we were discussing it before. So I kind of want you to say it again, though, out loud this time is like this idea of creating something that's actually so good that you don't need to market it in the way that like, you know, I had this journalist come on the podcast, a couple Dana Thomas, a cut last year. And she basically said something that resonated with me so much. She was like, if fast fashion would spend as much money creating 
beautiful, decent, sustainable clothing as they do on marketing it, then we would get somewhere. Like she was like, mm-hmm. H&M spends more money on marketing their conscious collection than they do producing their conscious collection. And we're paying that, the people who, who, who sewed it or created it. Yes, exactly. So given that you, you know, when we were talking about this, you really haven't done marketing either in a business as usual way. And like genuinely was the success of Vintner's daughter. Did that solely come from just the quality of the product and people talking about it? Yes. I mean, absolutely. We, it, uh, we, we call it G to G girlfriend to girlfriend. And that's not to say that there aren't other, you know, there aren't other people who use Vintner's daughter, but it has 100% rested off of people's experience, people telling their friends, their family, getting stopped on the street to ask, what are you using? What's on your, you know, what are you using? I mean, we're very lucky that there's all these platforms now for people to kind of share their experiences on, whether it's a social, social or blogs, what have you. Um, and listen, we were also lucky that, that somehow it got into the hands of many celebrities and makeup artists. And so their platforms were obviously, you know, it amplified it all for us, which we were very lucky, but, but no, I mean, we've never done any paid advertising, nothing. And it's, it's, um, um, it's something I'm really proud of and, um, but also something that, you know, was, you know, it didn't make it a necessarily easy road. Right. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like I, I, this is the other thing. And I think that like my generation and the generation maybe coming up behind me, like we're slightly guilty of is that like, I think we do expect things to be easier than they are. Like, you know, I was having this debate with my husband the other day. It's like, if you can now get everything in the click of a button from like your dry cleaning to your dinner to, you know, do we actually have sort of this idea that things should be easier than they are? Because like, I think that this idea of like overnight success can be really, really tricky and really almost bad because it kind of makes people think they don't have to put in the hard work or the graph. Because I think like as an outsider looking in, you know, it would be easy for people to be like, well, she created this amazing product, but then Gwyneth Paltrow got it and like job done. Like, you know, like that right. was just it from there on. I know. I think people think that Gwyneth Paltrow and, Olet and I went to like high school together or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's been an extraordinarily like generous supporter. Um, and we've been so, I mean, incredibly lucky. Um, but no, I mean, listen, it's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work and I don't have you know, to your point about how money is spent, like it is so, it's so um, costly to make our products. And it's something that I didn't realize before I got into the beauty world is all the margins. And the reason why um, no one, the reason why most products are made in such an expensive manner is because of the, 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 the dollars, pounds, the money that has to be spent on marketing it. And so, you know, I, I mean, I didn't market because I simply didn't have the budget or the, 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 um, the, what's the word I'm trying to say, like the, like the, margin. the margin. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't have, I, I just didn't have the margin to be able to do it. And, um, and so it was, um, it, it was, it, there was no other way for me. And so I was going to have to work. And, um, and it was, you know, listen, it's joyful work. I, I, I love getting to talk about Bittner's daughter. I love getting to meet, um, our community. We have like just extraordinarily like 
passionate, smart, creative, generous people. And it's always really fun to chat skincare. And I think skincare is one of those things that's like really fun because it's this intimate thing that we all wear on the outside and it kind of immediately can bond you, you know, with another Mm -hmm. person, um, which, which I love. Yeah, no. And it's, it's really interesting. And I'm glad that you brought up the price because I know it's something that we've grappled with again at Rev is just when things are made sustainably, they are more expensive and it's, it's horrible because on one hand, I don't want sustainable products to only be available to a handful of people. That's not the solution. And that's not what we are trying to do or, or who we're Mm -hmm. trying to be. It's just, it is unfortunately the reality of the world that we live in that if you are producing something with respect to people, planet, the process, ingredients, materials, everything, like there is a price associated with that, that is higher. And, you know, Vintner's Daughter is not an inexpensive item by any stretch of the imagination. But I heard you say in another talk that, you know, if you did spend a lot of money on marketing or things like that, you know, it would have to be even more expensive because like right now you guys really are just like, essentially covering oh, if I had the off. same margin. Oh yeah. If I had the same margin as, as sort of traditional luxury beauty, it would be twice as expensive. And, and what I will also say to that is I think so many of us, um, you know, we're all caught in this world of consumerism and, and more and in beauty. I think it's very easy to have a drawer or a cabinet filled with products, mm. right. Filled with 30, you know, 30 pound, $30 products. But what if, and you buy them and you use them for two or three days and then that you don't ever use them again, or, you know, you use one on Monday, the other one, you know, three weeks from now or what have you. And that don't ever really do anything, right? But what if you have two products that added together are still less money than the, the 15, $30 products you have? And what if those two products bought you time and delivered even better results and you could feel good about them in, in how they are, you know, socially responsible, environmentally responsible. So that is from a skincare perspective and a Vintner's daughter perspective. That is how I, that's how I look at it. Yeah. And it's exactly the same as the way we look at clothes. You know, as like, I've always said, like, instead of having like 30 pairs of jeans have like two really, really, I mean, I literally have three pairs of jeans. That's it. Like, and you know, I, and I spent a lot of money on them and I love them and they've been the same pairs for the last four years. And like, I really don't actually miss not having more jeans because like I have three pairs that I really love. Whereas before I had lots of pairs that genuinely, I was like, Oh, you know, I've gained weight or I've lost weight or my butt doesn't look good in me. You know, it's like, it's an investment and you know, your skin arguably is even more important than your wardrobe because it's something that you are, you know, I think we've talked about this before we've had, you know, Kirsten from Kier Vice on, we've had a lot of people come on and talk about this, but I like to say it over and over again. It's like, our skin is our largest, largest organ. It absorbs everything we put in it that ends up in our bloodstream. I mean, it really is not dissimilar to eating food in terms of absorption. Like, so why not treat that really as if something was, you know, really it's why it's always so interesting to me that, 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 that connection, I don't know, is always made right that you want to eat these like beautifully whole, whole plants that are sustainably grown, organically grown, right. And are whole foods, but, but many people considering skincare that is made like all synthetically with chemicals in it as the kind of the, the, 
that's a performance driven skincare. And so I think that's something that I'm constantly trying to, um, um, address and have conversation around to say that in fact, no, it's, it's, it, you know, it, it's what I already said. It's the meal replacement bar is not what your skin needs. It needs that beautifully prepared plate of food. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it actually, it made me think April, like there's so like one of the things that I, I also feel like is there's so much talk about, you know, uh, you need this project, pro, uh, sorry, product for anti-aging. You need this if you have dry skin. Yeah, First of all, you said my most dreaded word ever, anti-aging. I think it's such a gaslighting, ridiculous, fear, insecurity, mongering word that is just there to drive purchase, right? Because what is, anti? okay, so what is anti-aging? Anti, if you're not aging, then I think you're dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. 100%. So I am, I am very pro aging, by the way, I'm very pro aging and I'm going to do what I can to, you know, feel great and look great, but I am pro aging. I want all of us to stay on this earth. Yeah. So whenever I hear anti-aging, I just, or see it, I think, oh man, you're really trying to like not make me feel good so yeah. that I buy your product and I really don't appreciate it. So I interrupted your question. What was it again? No, well, and, and thank you so much because genuinely, you know, I, 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 I had Suzanne Kaufman on the podcast last year and, and she really like went off on this. She was just like, I hate this idea that women somehow like are lesser because we are older or, you know, she was like, all good things are older. She was like, fine wines, like vintage cars, like, you know, literally like we need to start celebrating our age. And, and I, but I think it was, you know, so thank you also for re reiterating that because I know I'm like, I'm 34 and I feel like I'm watching all of my girlfriends start to like, I have so many friends who are getting Botox and, you know, getting all this stuff. And like, that's totally fine. I feel like people should absolutely do what makes them feel confident and good. But like, what, do they genuinely really want that? Or do they feel they need to have it because right. all yeah. of a sudden we've never, been yeah, exactly. It's never the what it's always the why, right? Yeah. It's never the what, it's always the why. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I like I I really like my frown lines and my smile lines and the things that, you know, that show that like I have emotion and that I've lived an interesting, passionate life. You know, like I don't mind that those things come up on my skin. And I mean, I guess ask me again when I'm 54, maybe I'll give you a different answer. But like, I think, you know, thank you for saying that, first of all. And secondly, where I was going with that question is not just anti-aging, but you know different skin types and, you know, whether or not for different, you know, people of different mm -hmm. ethnicities, like, you know, cause I feel like we're often, especially in beauty, we're really like often sort of targeted against each other. It's like, you need this and you need that and you need this. And it's sort of, um, you know, yeah, and we're, we're like di diced, we're diced up into tiny, tiny, tiny little pieces. Yeah. And I think that that's so you can be marketed to. Yeah. Right. And, and marketing is revenue driven, right? It's all, it's, it's not, it's not there to help people, right? It's there to sell product. Mm -hmm. And once again, you know, with Vintner's daughter, we believe in this universal idea of nutrition, all mm -hmm. bodies thrive off the same nutrition and so does skin. And so we really, again, we're spending three to five weeks making every bottle to be able to ensure that delivery of all of that ideal proper nutrition to the skin. And mm -hmm. that, like I said, that's universal. And so that is all, all genders, all skin tones, all ages. That is, um, a, it, it, it's universal skin food. Yeah. So I actually had a question from a girlfriend and I'm just throwing this in here now, but if you have problems with essential oils, 
would you still be able to use Vintner's daughter? Yeah. So, okay. So essential oils, I think have been maligned, um, for, you know, for, for some, for, I, I get it. Right. There's a lot of really cheap essential oils out in the world, mm -hmm. like very, very cheap. Right. And essential oils are some of the most powerful plant, um, substances, substances in the world. Right. And so they need to be treated with great respect. And just as though you would not take retinol, retin-A, that your doctor prescribed and apply it head to toe every single day, that would be overload. Mm -hmm. You don't need essential oils in your fabric softener, your soap, your shampoo, your, and, and all those are in this very, very kind of cheap way. And so I think some people can kind of create almost like a resistance to them because they've been exposed to all these very um, low quality forms of them. So what I would say is that um, active botanical serum, as you may imagine, has the absolute highest quality um, essential oils. They are in ratios that are um, um, like strategic ideal ratios mm -hmm. for bringing out um, the health and balance in the skin. And, um, you know, I would love for her to be able to try, put some, you know, a sample on her. I'd be, you know, tell me who your friend is. I'll be happy to send her a little sample <laughs> and she could try it. But um, most people do not have a problem. Okay. Well, that's really good to know. And thank you for also bringing up the essential oil. Cause it's funny. It's sort of become like, I've actually been hearing it a lot lately that people have really bad experiences with essential oils, but I think you make a good point in that, like what essential oils are we using? Where have they come from? How much, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So just good to be aware of. And then obviously given it's the Rev podcast, I want to ask you a little bit about the sustainability of the product and, and the environmental sort of quality that goes through. And, you know, I, I love, I feel like you're somebody who is very aware of the soil. You're connected to the soil. We've been talking about the soil a lot in terms of sustainability, climate change, carbon capture, nutrient denseness. I mean, mm -hmm. It's just huge. So can you speak a little bit about how you source the ingredients for Vintner's Daughter and like where they're coming from in terms of like yeah. the sustainability? Yeah. So we're working with um, growers and farmers around the world, as many local as we can. But again, we do believe in this idea of terroir, that there are places in the world where things grow better. Mm -hmm. um, that's a product of um, geology, soil, but also just generational knowledge. And so, you know, we um, harvest um, or, or we work with um, farmers and producers from around the world, and we are making sure that they also share our commitment and our philosophies around um, land stewardship and sustainability. And so that is, you know, how we begin our process, but throughout our process, um, from the building that we create in being an LEED certified building to the packaging materials we use to the way that we ship every step, we are considering our impact. Um, and every year we have goals to lower that we are, um, a, um, um, we are carbon neutral. We are, um, green certified at the very highest level. We are about to get our B Corp certification. And these are things that we've been working on since day one and have getting, like I said, we put, we put, um, goals to them every year and, um, and are actively working on, on that, you know, at every, at every step and trying to minimize our impact. Yeah. And I heard you say that you, you know, you moved to the speed of quality. I think you said that in one of the videos that you talk about Vintner's are so well. And, you know, I was thinking about that, like how in, 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 
how has like your sort of ethos with Vintner's daughter been able to like transcend into other areas of your life? I think it's really interesting talking to to founders. Like I, I know with Rev, interestingly, like I was obviously very sustainably minded when I started the company, but now I'm like beyond what I ever thought I could be because I think mm-hmm. so deeply about things. Like how have you found yourself moving in your own life yeah. that you move so slowly with your company? I think, I think that's a great question. First of all, it's where I come from. So I come from the wine world mm-hmm. and the wine world, you know, moves at the speed. I mean, that is the speed of quality, right? It takes three years to make a bottle of wine, right? And then you get to enjoy it for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So that's the ultimate speed of quality, right? And so it is something that's always been a very big part of my life and something that I brought into beauty mm-hmm. um, because it, it just wasn't there. Um, I mean, certainly it has been part of kind of ancient traditions of beauty, but it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't um, anything that anyone was focused on um, now. And, you know, from a personal perspective, uh, you know, it's all of, all of my, like how I choose to spend money, how I choose to spend my time, how I, you know, who I choose to, to be around. I'm, I'm constantly kind of thinking about it in terms of that impact, both on me and my family and my, and my business and my world. And so, I mean, I think that if I ever buy something new, it is, it is very thoughtfully, thoughtfully done. Most of the things that I buy are vintage or antique or used secondhand in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I buy locally as much as I possibly can from a food perspective. Um, I drink wine from all over the world. So that I, I don't know how that goes. Um, um, yeah, I mean, so anyway, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be conscious about it in all, in all the different ways and, and understanding that my, um, um, you know, my purchases are, are my power. Yeah. Well, that's a great, that is a great way to kind of end things because I know we're getting towards a hard stop for you, April, but I did want to ask you one question because I'm asking everybody now going into 2022, I feel like we need a little optimism. So I want to ask you, what is the thing that's making you feel like most hopeful about the world, like going into this new year and, and what's sort of making you feel optimistic about the future? I mean, for me, it is always the power of nature. I mean, for good or bad, nature is going to win. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and so to me, there, there's something in that that is very inspirational and very, um, um, just grounding. And I think, you know, um, like we, we are nature, nature is us and, 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 you know, a connection to nature is a connection to ourselves. And so for me, I mean, again, yeah, it's always nature for me is always the inspiration. Wow. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited to share this with everybody and I'm so glad we got to do this. So thank you, April, for being so, um, for such an inspiration in this space and congratulations on, on having such a beautiful product. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me.